This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the short code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I am not Dave Etler. I don't sound quite as good as he does. I am Nick Lind, and you're joining us today for a special episode of the Short Coat Podcast a parenting episode and I have some wonderful med student parents with me today I have a great dad a father figure maybe even a grandfather figure to many people in my class Chris Schombacher (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) she's a med student by day and a mom really 24 7 Mackenzie Walhoff what's up and finally, we have one half or, or maybe 45% of the phys- physician super couple, <laughs> OBGYN attending, Dr. Michael Hogstall. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining me. So the first thing I want to kind of talk about is really where this came from. So when I was coming into med school, I, was, uh, I had a little girl and, and I had my family going and I, I really had a lot of questions about how I was going to manage med school and being a parent and I couldn't find the resources that I wanted. And from day one, stepping on a, to Carver's campus, I had a lot of questions and, and I just never quite found the right answers. And I don't know that I have the right answers now, but I, I really was looking for that resource where I could find some information about what it was like to manage med school and being a parent. And, and that's where this, this idea was born and it took me a few years. I'm, I'm now an M3 and I guess I didn't mention I have two, I, I'm gonna say rising M4s because like that. uh, Thank that's you. a, and I'm also a rising M4 and then uh, M, Dr. Hogsdall, what are you? M- I suppose it's like 11 or 12, I think. And <laughs> M- M12, uh, <laughs> Dr. Hogsdall. So it took me some time to to come to this podcast, but I'm, I'm glad I could get some wonderful parents together and, and we could take some time to talk. So first, anyone want to kind of jump in and kind of talk a little bit about their story as a parent? Sure. I can start, Nick. All right. Thanks, Dr. Hogsdall. So, like uh, your introduction said, Nick, my wife and I, Jacqueline Hugsdahl, who's an ophthalmologist here, <clears throat> we were together since high school, but that's another story, <laughs> um, and we did medical school together. We matched the same year, and we sort of entered our fourth year of medical school, and then eventually our first year of residency starting to kind of plan our family and such and we got pregnant right before residency was kind of getting started planned i like to say in my (laughs) field and we were surprised right off the bat because we went in for an ultrasound and there were two babies (laughs) so we we had twins in the february of our both of our intern years and so that, you know, we just basically jumped right into parenthood and residency kind of at the same time. Hmm. But, you know, we got through it and we don't regret it. You know, I have lots of hints and strategies 
that my wife and I employed. And then we waited until just this last November to have our next child. And so there's about a seven year difference. Hmm. And we we are kind of having, you know, we're looking back at things, reflecting, analyzing. And yes, we're parenting a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're also enjoying different parts of it that we didn't really appreciate or we don't remember appreciating kind of the first time around. And so we are now, we're parents, you know, as faculty or staff members. But we really, you know, most of our parenting started while we were in residency. Great. Great. Anyone else want to jump in? Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, jump in. So uh, me and my wife are high school sweethearts, and we got pregnant probably it was before medical school started. So we when I got accepted, we knew we were going to be having a baby during our M1 year. And it was in February of my M1 year. And um, we had a little bit of a scare. Our kiddo had bacteremia, so we had a, a NICU stay for 10 days. But everything was okay, but definitely like a crash course into just terror, being a parent, <laughs> you know, and, and being worried about everything. But my wife's a CPA, so we've been balancing a little bit her career along with being a parent in medical school. And it's been quite uh, a challenge but it's been awesome i mean i didn't realize how hard medical school would be anyway and then you add a child in there so like both me becoming a father and me learning to become a physician at the same time has been crazy i always feel like i'm not doing enough one or the other Hmm. like you know Mm -hmm. but i I think it's ultimately going to make me a better physician and just a better person and we are currently debating on making things more complicated by having another child. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Nice. Well, I, Mackenzie, you can jump in. I guess I didn't mention what my story was too. I kind of totally forgot about that. Go ahead and then (laughs) go ahead. We can add one more male perspective and then I'll give the female perspective. (laughs) This is a very uh, second rate podcast without Dave here. He's, he's in the background, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) thanks, Dave Dave says I'm doing great. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that. So I, I had a career in finance before medical school. And when my daughter was born, she is now six and a half. I kind of had this like career crisis. Like, am I in the right career? What am I doing with my life? And should that be something else? And I always wanted to go to med school, but you know, early on the grades weren't there and life kind of took a different course and, and I just never ended up applying. So maybe six months after my daughter was born, I quit my job and, and like dove all into doing the prereqs for med school. So fast forward, I ended up having to take a gap year after my post back program and my son was born at that time. So I came to med school with two kids and then fast forward to now, I now have an infant at home. My wife is on maternity leave and you know, we're, we're finally trying to figure out what it's like to have a baby born during med school, which is a, you know, a, a totally different story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's a blast. And I love having my kids. They're a great distraction from med school. And it's definitely a challenge to do medicine and try to be a great doctor. And I think medicine really pushes you to be at your best and to give your all to medicine. But then the reality is I also need to be giving my all to these kids to raise them to be the people I want them to be and the people that they're, they're, you know, made to be. 
so it's definitely this this difficult dynamic that you're always trying to balance and you're probably never doing either one well (laughs) but it's it's fun i wouldn't trade it for anything there's no way i would go back to my old job i you know i i love what i'm doing right now i love where i'm at so that leaves me i'm mackenzie so i am the the lone female i guess among our group tonight i'm not the only female though in our med school who's had kids i do want to say that there are there is an m i guess a rising m3 that has a baby and i know there is an m i guess she'd be a rising m2 this year that also had a baby and we're having another podcast featuring a couple of other moms so yeah it's just the way the schedule worked out today good so you guys will get to hear multiple perspectives from more moms that have kind of matriculated then through CECOM. So, odd, weird, common theme here. My husband and I are also high school sweethearts. Nick, are you and your wife high school no, sweethearts? No, college, okay, so We're college. judging you. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> weird. So, not that that's a requirement, but so my husband and I have been, been together, yeah, since high school. We didn't do college together, so we, we did long distance for five years in there, and then we got married the summer after I, I graduated undergrad. And I did the traditional way of just going straight from undergrad to med school. So I'm not a non-trad in that way. But we decided together quite quickly that we, we wanted to be parents. We had been together for a number of years, so we didn't really feel like waiting. So I actually got pregnant during the second semester of my first year of med school. There's a kind of a funny story with that. The day I found out I was pregnant, Dr. Santillian, who is our, our maternal fetal medicine, kind of our high-risk doc, was actually giving us lectures on high-risk pregnancy. And it was just like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I actually went up to him after his lecture and I was like, Dr. Santillian, I found it today I'm pregnant. I haven't told my husband yet. <laughs> He's like, I know before the dad. That was kind of funny. Uh, a little terrifying, but uh, a good time, in my opinion, to, to get pregnant. So I had my first daughter December of that, of that year, my M2 year, conveniently about a week and a half before our Christmas break started. I had a very uneventful pregnancy. I had some pretty bad morning sickness for the first trimester and was really just exhausted. So studying was really, really challenging while pregnant because I'd get home and just want to sleep. And so I would. I'd go to sleep at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon for like two hours and then get up and study again. Our program has it that you, the summer after your first year of med school, you can do research, you can um, do global health track and things like that. I had originally considered doing a global health research mix in Brazil. And then when I found out I was pregnant, I didn't want to risk Zika exposure. Mm. And so I elected instead to do research here for the summer, which which was great. It was great hours, great flexibility while um, suffering through my first trimester of pregnancy. So like I mentioned, that pregnancy was very largely unremarkable. I'm in delivering in December, a little baby girl. And then I took no time off technically can can I interrupt you because there was a rumor Mm -hmm. that went around when you gave birth that you like still took a test yeah and I was like (laughs) she's a badass (laughs) on the day of delivery yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's you you have to tell that story yeah that's that's pretty amazing so I was overdue by a week and so my doc here was Dr. Abby Hardy Fairbanks and the way she wanted to induce me was we were gonna do some essentially cervix prepping using like a gel, two doses. So she would put it, she'd had the residents place one dose, 
then leave and then come back the next day for a second or that evening and then the next day to start Pitocin. So I went, I went to class in the morning and then walked, our hospital and, and med school are connected, walked over with my little suitcase just in case <laughs> to have the medicine placed, had that done, had some fetal tracing done, that was fine, walked back, was studying because I had an exam that afternoon. <laughs> and the contraction started. <laughs> but it was just like mild. I was like, well, this is not a big deal. Like, whatever. So then I took my exam. It was just like a mass or CAPS exam. I don't okay. even remember which one it was. But still. So I was laboring. <laughs> and then I like took my little suitcase and then walked back over um, to get my second dose placed, which never happened because I was in full-blown labor and had the baby early, early the next morning. The funnier story might be that shortly thereafter, I then hopped onto Icon, our quiz, about maybe six, seven hours after delivery, and then took a quiz <laughs> because I didn't feel like, I just didn't feel like emailing and being like, can I delay this and take it later? Like, oh, whatever, I'll just take it. And that was fine. And then basically, that exam that I took, I was actually taking early. The rest of the class didn't take it till the next week. So I actually only missed one exam for that whole like semester and then just took it right after Christmas break hmm. and actually did fine, which was mind blowing. So I essentially had Christmas break off and then I came back with the normal class and just jumped right into clerkships. I do remember I started on radiology and was essentially crying in pain every day because <laughs> I was still uh, recovering from some lacerations and things mm. and I probably should have just taken time off but didn't. But the residents were great and the staff were great and they were like, you have a you have a four week old at home, like you should just go home. So I did. But I then like I completed clerkships as normal and then July came along and then August came along. So I delivered in December and August came along and lo and behold, a positive pregnancy test number two <laughs> shows up. And I had my second daughter in March of pandemic year. Uh -huh. So just one year ago. Her, had her in the middle of the pandemic, which is, uh, it was March 25, so the pandemic was just getting rolling. And that pregnancy had a little bit of complication in that the baby had an umbilical venous pharynx, hmm. which wasn't a big deal um, in hindsight, except that it meant that I needed weekly NSTs and weekly ultrasounds from week 28 on, which was just financially quite burdensome. She was born early, slightly early. My water broke at 36 and 6. And so she actually came on 37 weeks on the dot. And then we went home. Everything was fine. And then she actually developed hyperbilirubinemia due to ABO incompatibility. And so she was re-hospitalized mm. on day like two or three of life because she had high bilirubin and then she had was not holding her temperature. So she was getting a bit hypothermic. And then uh, so we were re-hospitalized, but they also had to do a full neonatal sepsis workup for that. The biggest thing for that for me was we were in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and so in a normal, a normal procedure, like you'd be able to throw on a mask and like a hairnet and essentially be there at least for your baby. But because we were in such PPE shortage, they actually took the baby, swaddled her and then walked out of the room. Mm. And that was really hard for me as a mom and as a med student, knowing what was going to happen knowing that more than likely a first year resident was shoving a giant ass needle into my five pound baby's back. Hmm. So that was probably the hardest part of um, that pregnancy delivery, everything as a med student in the middle of a pandemic. Cause it was just, it was a very helpless feeling. Hmm. Being a parent, you're supposed to, you feel like you're supposed to protect your child. And I was like, that's cool. 
but otherwise other than that like I, I was very fortunate to have quite easy pregnancies quite easy deliveries and extraordinarily easy recoveries the hardest part for me as a mom recovering has actually been I'm a huge proponent of breastfeeding and pumping as a med student is very challenging. Trying to figure out what time you're gonna pump, where you're gonna pump, because your schedule changes every day, it's almost impossible to regulate that. At some point you have to, it was easier for my, with my second um, child because I, I kind of knew what I had to do. I knew I had to stand up for myself and say, I need to do this and found out that like the residents don't care. Like they'll gladly mm-hmm. let you go pump. I had a fantastic surgery resident who was actually would remind me, a male surgery resident, mind you, as an intern, would be like, hey, Mackenzie, it's like 9 o'clock. You've been here since 5. You haven't pumped it. You should probably go pump now. We can deal with this stuff later. Mm-hmm. I'm like, thank you, Charles. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was awesome, <laughs> mind-blowing. But, yeah, there's been a lot of difficulties being a mom as a, a now post-preclinical, so a, in clerkships, mom as a med student, Time management, like you guys have said, you feel like you're failing at all of the things Mm -hmm. all the time because, you know, you talk to your colleagues and they talk about how they go home and they just study all night, every (laughs) night. Uh, And they're like, they're step one and I'm studying like a bajillion hours. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't do that. (laughs) And then you talk to like moms that I know and they are like on Facebook, you know, there's plenty of stay at home moms that I know that are just like spend a whole bunch of time with their kids and are taking them on play dates and are taking them to like library story time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't do that either. Yep. So that's, that's really hard. So yeah, my schedule basically looks like I get up in the morning. If I'm fortunate to be on a clerkship that I don't have to be here until eight, which I'm on ophthalmology right now and it's wonderful. <laughs> so I, I help get the kids dressed and get them breakfast. And then I head out the door and my husband's in charge of getting them the rest of the way ready and then to daycare. And then I get home in the evenings and basically my time is devoted to my family until my kids go to bed. Mm-hmm. And so that's about 8.30ish by the time, maybe 9 o'clock by the time the oldest one is finally sleeping. And that's then at that point, you know, especially if you're on surgical uh, clerkship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, 9 p.m. rolls around and then that is my time typically to do laundry, clean the dishes, if I'm feeling motivated (laughs) to get the house cleaned together, or my husband takes care of that, or I have a little bit of time there to study. But yeah, my method of studying has had to change a lot in terms of like when I'm at work, I have to be here. Like my mind has to be in the game. Mm -hmm. I have to be retaining every detail possible from what I hear on rounds, from what the residents are talking about, because I might not have that time to actually learn it at home, which I actually think has been a really good skill for me to develop. But yeah, I've been talking a lot, you guys. You no, guys it, really jump in. I think you did a great job of going through a lot of things that moms face that is very different from what, you know, I've dealt with. But then even some of the things, especially the home routine, how do you how do you manage that when you get home after a long day where you're really tired and you really need to study, but you really can't study because, you know, you have all these other things that, that need to happen. So yeah, that's a great perspective. And the toddler screaming at you because <laughs> you won't give them like popcorn for supper. Yeah, Actually, yeah. my toddler demanded popcorn for breakfast this weekend and nice. was very upset when we wouldn't give it to her. So I'll, I'll just interject. Yeah. What we did for this situation is we asked for help or yeah. we took the opportunity to accept help from people. We were lucky enough. My mother-in-law decided to retire from teaching hmm. at about the time that the twins were going to be born. And she came and lived with us for the first four months. And she's actually lived with us this last 
you know, since the school year started for the seven-year-old twins, and she's done their schooling at home online through the district. But having somebody like that, if you have that opportunity, Hmm. go ahead and, you know, that can be very useful, and we're very blessed to have had her. But I know not everybody has that type of a situation. The other thing that we benefited from after Gigi is her name, we call her, she (laughs) went home, we got connected, you know, in a convoluted way to a couple of undergrad students, and one of them became a nurse, and her name's Hannah, and she was originally going into education. We got connected to, to her from somebody in our hometown, and she basically became our, like, organizing nanny, and she would organize a group of, they were pretty much all nursing students, each day of the week to pick up the girls from their daycare Mm. around four to five. They would bring them home and feed them. And then when we got home, we just got to kind of hang out with them. But then we were residents at the time, so we never had to worry about getting out on time because as residents, you don't get to worry (laughs) about getting out on time. It doesn't happen. That's nice. (laughs) So if you can find help, you know, if you're at an academic center, there's lots of, you know, other health care students that would be great child care providers. If you've got family that want to help, find a way for them Mm -hmm. to help because we couldn't have survived without those two. Yeah, I think that's a good segue because that was one of the questions and I'll, I'll kind of turn it over to the uh, t- two of you as well on what your situations are for childcare and, and things like that and support. But I, before I do that, I just want to give a shout out to Dr. Ryan Gray's pre-med hangout Facebook group because they provided many of the questions that we're going to go through today. So that's a, a great place for if there are any pre-meds listening to this, if you want to get some good collaborative advice on, on applying to med school. Where do you guys get your, what do you guys do for childcare and, you know, support for your family? Great question. So one thing that happened right before I started medical school is my, my mother-in-law passed away. I have my dad and stepmom live in Las Vegas, Nevada. My mom is in a nursing home in Des Moines. So we really didn't have a lot of family help. Mm -hmm. I mean, my dad would come down to visit for a little bit, but he's a physician too. So, you know, maybe I could get a three-day weekend out of them or so. But we are lucky enough that my wife has been able to have a flexible job in which she can work from home. And we live like 100 feet from a daycare center. Mm. So, like, we've been able to, I mean, that, that 15 minutes would it take to drive, but we can just walk over. That That actually ends up helping a lot. We don't really have a babysitter more for, like, financial reasons. So... It's been basically just us. Once in a while, my wife's aunt will come up for like a weekend and, and try to help. But really, it's it's mostly just us. And and so how I make that work a little bit is I try to get up at like 4 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like there's been times where I get up at like 3, 3.30 in the morning to get my studying done before I even go to the hospital mm-hmm. so that I can just you know, be there at the hospital, but then when it comes five or six or whenever I look, you know, sometimes I get let out early, you know, and I can go home and just be present and, and do everything and try to get to bed by eight or nine. But yeah, it's been night when we do get someone to come up, it's like something you really need, I think for a relationship. Cause you just need to like go to the movies with your wife or mm-hmm. go do a gym day. Like 
you don't realize how important that is until it's gone. We go to Target sometimes. Yeah, we Sorry. do Target. Yes, Costco. actually, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. That's so true. Like this sounds so lame, and then you realize like it's so nice to just go to Costco with my wife without my toddler. Oh, I do. Mm. You know, I know we do too. Yeah, yeah but hy has got the little cars that they get to drive. Yeah, that's so funny. That's that's nice. that my, my daughter loves that too. But yeah, so. It's been a challenge, but I just, I would say that it's possible to do even without, like, if you don't have family around mm-hmm. or if you don't have, like, a nanny or, or a lot of that, it's still possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, I actually, I don't have any family around. They're all five hours away, except I do have a brother-in-law and sister-in-law that live in town. But, so, yeah, for most most things it's it's just me and my husband making mm-hmm. things do my husband is a an electrical uh, engineer who does have very flexible flexible hours and it's been wonderful and we also live just down the street from our daycare there's in the in the small town we have it's, it's just a little child care center that we adore and the kids love it too and so that's been great but yeah especially with the pandemic it's been hard mm. because we didn't really feel right at least early on asking people for like babysitters that we didn't know mm-hmm. uh, and now it's been a little bit better we've had we've had a babysitter once since my daughter was my oldest daughter was born and that we knew was a college that we knew from family friends that was a college student but yeah it's been really really hard i think the hardest thing has been for my husband and i to maintain like a healthy relationship mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. still keep like kindling love or whatever in between us. <laughs> and I was we were just talking about this last night. It, it's kind of gotten to the point where sometimes it feels like our relationship is more we're like co-parenting mm. and some of the like romance has kind of fallen by the wayside this year. We were kind of talking about how what we need to do to kind of try to make sure that part of our lives still takes priority at times as well. And so yeah, it, it's it's really hard. And finances are are tricky. We don't really have cash to spend on a babysitter mm-hmm. like you were saying i know you're going to talk about finances but since i'm talking about babysit or uh, child care now yeah. i'll just say that we spend twenty five thousand dollars a year on mm-hmm. on uh, daycare very expensive. Yeah. and i think it's just important that people like are aware that that's that's how much it is it is the total cost for our children is more than i pay for med school every year yep it's yep and it's more than a mortgage <laughs> and, and that is why from the beginning when we because i came from a small town my wife and i and we're the child care there is still is half of what it yeah would be here. so true mm-hmm. we called daycare school yeah. from day one yeah, we do that too. and it really is you know an investment in their education and social well-being because they learn so much mm-hmm. you know in those child care centers if you you pick you know one of the good ones and so that's sort of we've we tried to put that spin on it that oh the girls are going to school yeah. you know and that's why it costs so much but they did learn a lot yeah yeah, you know, my situation is uh, similar to what you guys have, have said. My wife is a speech pathologist. She has good hours. They're not terribly flexible. Sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. It really depends on, you know, when she has, like, what her caseload looks like for the day. But we have, you know, it, the, the challenge becomes, uh, and I'm sure, Dr. Hogsall, you are maybe seeing this, when you have kids at different levels. Uh, so my oldest daughter is in school now so and and because of the pandemic we had to send her to a private school because the public schools didn't have in person and and we couldn't manage that with our busy schedules we didn't have anyone who could stay home with her to to facilitate her schooling so we we were able to find a private school that was in person through the whole pandemic 
my son is in a preschool daycare situation and they are 18 months to preschool age and then my infant daughter is going to go to another daycare (laughs) so so we're hoping that we can get my son into the same private school that my daughter is going to for preschool and then we're trying to work that out and see if we can you know juggle those finances and afford it or you know do we have to come up with another situation and then trying to find after school i think the hardest part is how do you manage Mm -hmm. after school and maybe before school daycare Mm -hmm. because not every school has a before and after school program in in our area so it's it's this huge struggle that my wife spends hours managing i am very grateful for her because she has spent so much time looking into what options we can do and what what can we afford and getting back to the finances you know it's very expensive for daycare we're lucky that my my son goes to one of the cheaper daycare centers in town but and it is very close to our house so that's nice but definitely definitely a challenge that i think any med student parent is going to have to deal with you know who's who's with the kids as far as family we don't really have uh, family close by the nearest family is about an hour and a half away they can come in you know if, if it's a true emergency but other than a true emergency you know they're not not there for the regular weeknight help I will say for support, I'm friends with Nick, our co-host right now. And then there's another buddy who has had kids in medical school. And like, I know when Nick was having the baby, we, we reached out and like, hey, if there's anything you need, let us know. And so mm-hmm. I know like, it's not something that I want to rely on all the time. But if, if stuff really starts hitting the fan, I can send a text to, to some of the other guys who know like, okay, oh, yeah. you know, they can pick up my dog or whatever it needs to be. So yeah even even kids zach's Zach. uh, little boy when his other little boy was coming <laughs> he was like i need somebody to watch him <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and i i was able to oh boy to take him for the day which was fun but anyway you know i think you build community uh, wherever you're at I, we also have church friends that uh, are able to help which is uh, a big help so you know whatever organizations you get involved with or or you know med student friends uh, you'll be able to find that community and hopefully lean a little bit on that community as well as you know daycare and and things like that and i will say like the people that don't have kids just normal medical students everyone's super interested in kids so like i had so many people that wanted to like babysit or Mm -hmm. or i had people cook us dinner you know so your your classmates will be super supportive there are definitely ones though who I would not trust with my children. <laughs> <laughs> who will you name names? No, they'll graduate. They'll match. That makes it a little bit more creepy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, not not everybody's cut out for kids, and that's why you have a lot of specialties that, like internal medicine. <laughs> anyway, our sponsor this week, Panacea Financial. This is a company founded by two doctors that were frustrated as medical trainees that banks didn't seem to want to understand the unique needs of people in the medical field. So they built a company just for medical students and doctors. With nationwide digital banking, Panacea Financial provides medical students with free checking. No ATM fees nationwide, a high-yield savings account, (laughs) a free personal banker, around-the-clock customer support, and with loans designed with you in mind. No one should borrow more than they need, but with Panacea Financial... Fourth-year medical students can get money as needed in as little as 24 hours with their PRN personal loan. 
has an interest rate less than half that of a credit card, no cosigner requirements, uh, and it's a fully digital application. So that's pretty cool. Instead of running up uh, credit card debt, try their PRN personal loan that is designed to give you a better way to cover expenses, such as residency applications, relocation, board exams. Some customers actually use it to pay off toxic credit card debt. In addition, medical students can have a period of no or reduced payments on their PRN personal loan. So you do you, but I would suggest joining the growing number of medical students and physicians nationwide that expect more from their bank. Go to PanaceaFinancial.com today to open your free account. Panacea Financial is a division of Primus, member FDIC. You know, we we touched on finances a little bit, and I have a a background in personal finance and and things like that. So this is something I'd love to talk about, uh, and I can go solo or, you know, you guys, if you want to talk a little bit about finances. But I had a lot of questions around finances, so I I definitely think we need to touch on that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I I guess we kind of talked a little bit about daycare, but how do you actually pay for all of this? How do you pay for, you know, these expensive daycares and how do you pay for diapers? And, and I, I just had to buy a bigger car because literally we had two cars that we could not fit three kids unless we took two cars absolutely everywhere we went. So how do you, how do you manage all this stuff? Where where does the money come from? You you need to find a sugar mama or sugar daddy. (laughs) Yeah. I think think it's tough because I think we all said that all of us have a spouse or like Dr. Hogsville, you were in residency. You had right. income. We had, we had a dual residency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other three of us, we all have partners that yeah. have an income. I don't know if we have any single parents that are going to be on your on your podcast, but I definitely think that's a different situation um, that any of us are dealing with. Or even if one's a stay-at-home parent. I yeah, think that's, that's a, true, too. That's true. That's, that's a, not uncommon, either. Yeah. I do think we have one or two of those. Yeah, definitely. So I, I can start. But yeah, my, I already mentioned my husband's a, a chemical and or an electrical engineer. Jeez, maybe I don't want to know what he does. Because <laughs> <laughs> most of what he does goes over my head anyways. So yeah, we have an income. We definitely had to change the way we managed finances. We are not traveling, which, you know what? It, it worked out. We're in a pandemic. We wouldn't be traveling anyways. But now we're definitely not traveling because we have kids. Yeah, you, just, you have to budget. You have to think about, you know, living, you know, as meagerly as possible, but also, like, you have to have a little bit of leeway. And we take loans. We take med student loans. So y- you kind of make do. And, then, yeah, there's other things you have to factor in. It's not just the diapers. It's not just, you know, the child care costs. It is the health insurance. Mm-hmm. It's the clothing we do almost all of our clothes are secondhand so you know you have to accept that that's what you're going to have to do and yeah dentist costs doctor bills all of that stuff adds up i like to joke my husband had to sell his ducati motorcycle and we bought a minivan ah <laughs> uh, there you go so, uh, <laughs> sacrifice sacrifice yeah. right yeah so yeah there's just but like it's i think it's worth it they're cute they're getting cute. something else they out of it cute. right yeah. Even definitely. though, even when your when your daughter calls you a poopy head, it's worth it. You got to tell yourself that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't have too much to add, but you know, having a wife who is good at what she does and makes a good amount of money, we're able to like. So I would take like the full allotted loan amount, but each uh, semester I would give out give back like a, a pretty solid chunk, which mm-hmm. has been so nice. But it, it's made me wonder, like, if you were a single parent. Or if, you know, we lived in a, if we were somewhere besides the Midwest where cost of living is, is cheap, having to balance that. You know, I will say we're we're okay since we don't do a ton. Like 
we probably splurge on like going out to eat a little too much mm-hmm. and and like don't go to costco hungry you know because sometimes we go to like get diapers and you leave like well like, how did i just spend four hundred dollars like <laughs> yeah. what happened maybe not four hundred but around there you know? or maybe you could go to costco hungry when they're giving out the samples <laughs> yeah yeah exactly then you're not yeah. hungry when you leave but it's hard anyway it's because like you do you know you want to save but you also want to stay sane so it's like yeah you know if i can go get a barbecue sandwich once in a while like okay we'll do that but definitely going in the hole right definitely a mountain (laughs) of debt is happening so yeah you know a couple of thoughts that i had so if anybody knows me and my wife we are both penny pinchers my wife is 10 times worse than i am like hardcore budger she literally uh used to make me turn in receipts so she is she is very hardcore good for her yeah yeah wow. she's she's awesome we, we're both that way we've been married forever longer than i probably like to say on a podcast some things that i thought about were there's a great app out there called you need a budget and there you know there's mint there's other budgeting softwares budgeting software and actually having a true budget it would be very difficult for us to meet our financial goals if we didn't have that. And and you can have financial goals in medical school. You can have like, I don't want to take out any more than X mm-hmm. amount in loans. I, you know, and we've even been able to do some savings. So, you know, some other things that I thought about, you know, you have your federal loans. You can also get private loans. So a, a few people asked about, you know, my wife doesn't work i'm a med student or my husband doesn't work and i'm a med student how or we're both med students and we have kids how how are we going to be able to afford all of this there are private loans so you know i speaking with your financial aid offices is something you might want to do about where you can get your money they also will they estimate your cost of living so when you get that cost mm-hmm. of living estimation that's based off of the the number they give you is for the, the typical single med student no kids but if you go talk to them and you're like look i've got these two kids this is how much childcare costs i need to pay for insurance for all of them they will increase your estimated cost of living which allows you to take out more loans yeah. yes that hurts but if you need to mm-hmm. feed your kids it's, yeah. it's what you got to do definitely definitely some other options that I thought about were some government programs. You'd be amazed by what you qualify for being even having I have a wife who has a professional job. You know, my my kids still qualify for reduced health insurance in Iowa. Mm-hmm. I, my wife while she was pregnant qualified for Medicaid and mm-hmm. so does my my newborn right now. You can some a lot of people will probably qualify for SNAP especially if they they don't have you know a working spouse the university of iowa actually provides a child care subsidy yeah. i don't know if yes. you guys knew I've about looked that into but it, yeah. Um, yeah it's actually pretty good yeah unfortunately we were above the mm-hmm. income limits for that which uh, yeah <laughs> that's it's rough because it does it's not based on how many kids you have it's it's just, just a straight a number, yeah. number yep. and it's like oh wow yeah this gets harder and harder the more kids you have but hey that was our choice too you know another thing that the university has is a hospital bill discount so if you can work with the financial office at yeah, the hospital don't, don't say that too loud and, i didn't uh, know that re- dr hogstall <laughs> <laughs> and and they will reduce so so things Comes like straight that. out of dr hogstall's pocket know we build people <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? just doing it for just yeah. doing it for free uh you know i get a scholarship that's uh, slightly income-based and also looking at income-based scholarships could could be really helpful for you so there are a lot of options to help pay for your school the biggest best decision i made was i ranked the medical schools i went to by cost Mm -hmm. and i went to the cheapest one which is my in-state school 
the University of Iowa. It's a great, great school. Go Hawks. Um, go Hawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so those are some things to think about for finances. Any Anything else anyone has to add? I mean, just kind of a small thing that my wife and I kind of have focused on a little bit, and it's a small strategy, but I grew up on a farm where we didn't have the top-notch equipment and so in the off season we were taking care of all the equipment and so you know the car that you do have or the vehicles you do have the home that you do have Mm -hmm. take care of it for sure do the maintenance so you can you know brush your teeth maybe even floss so that you can avoid (laughs) that root canal (laughs) those big kind of big bills that can come up and surprise you my car is literally torn apart in my garage right now i had to ride my bike here so yeah the other thing too is you know if especially if you're non-traditional if maybe you had a little bit of savings coming into med school that was not like me but the renting versus buying you could consider that i'm probably going to blow any california mines right now but just as an example my husband and i bought a house two years ago it's 2400 square feet which is really quite large and we Mm -hmm. pay about 1100 dollars a month in mortgage now that is way less than anything you would find for that rent Mm -hmm. so if you have the money to put for a down payment and you know you're going to be here for four or five years whatever it's something you can consider that may actually be a a cost savings benefit definitely Um, especially if you're going to need more space for kids anyways yep i think my mortgage is uh like 970 or something like that that's that's what ours is too yeah 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 it's a great great option but not always the best option so you really need to understand what it means to be a homeowner yeah and and you're going to have to sell that house especially if you have to move for residency so you know be thinking about that we had the derecho okay, this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yes. Uh, we had the derecho, and so we're oh, waiting for gutters. We had to redo mm, our, yeah. you know. So, unfortunately, weather happens too. So, yeah. something to think about. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, you always uh, certain markets have big changes in, in the housing market, and you could end up quickly being underwater. So, yeah, uh, be knowing aware your market, of where you're moving. Yeah. yeah, like Iowa City. Tiffin, North Liberty, our area that we live in here has always had a really phenomenal job, yeah. or not job market, a housing market. Very steady. Yeah. Houses here are like on the market for like a week at yeah. most before they sell. So depending on where you're at, it may be a really wise decision or it could be a very poor decision, but it's at least something to think about. Yeah. College towns are usually good. Yeah. But, Academic uh, institutions. Definitely. All right. So other questions we had, you know, this is a big one that I hear all the time when should i have kids during medical school no. when is the best time when oh, is the so best time during are we training? gonna tell them the perfect timing because <laughs> yeah, no we, i think we keep that secret okay. right yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you wait for the right time to have kids you'll never have kids yeah i think that's the biggest takeaway mm-hmm. when considering med school i think you look if, if, if there's any way when you're visiting and you know you're going to have kids, find like a subtle way to ask, like, are there med students here that have had kids? Mm-hmm. If there's no med students there that have had kids, that's probably a red flag because that probably means they don't feel supported enough to do it. Yeah. Other than that, like you've heard already from us, we've had kids at extremely variable times in med school. I'm not really sure there is a bad time to have a kid the only time i would maybe question it would be your m4 year in the middle of interview season would maybe be the time you want to avoid because that could just screw up you know your interviews Mm -hmm. besides that a right time i don't know i mean every time your m4 year but after interview time you you typically have a very flexible time off after interview season so that would probably be your give it your biggest like flexible point in terms of taking time off 
But in general, as a med student, with the amount of technology you have now, so many of your classes can be virtual. So many of your clerkship time can be flexible. There are um, even special clerkships for like parents. Yeah, yeah we have yeah. a family med. We have a family leave clerkship here. It's are four you weeks currently long. on? I am that? currently <laughs> on that. This <laughs> is part of that. <laughs> this is an ad for OSAC. Yeah. 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 yeah, come to Iowa. It's great. Yeah, I, I can talk to it, I guess, because I'm yeah. on it uh, right now. So uh, it's That's called, with Jill Endress, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Family Caregiving Transitions Clerkship, and it's a month-long clerkship. Uh, you can identify a project that you want to do, and you complete the project. And part of part of your project is kind of your experience as a as a parent, or or it's not even just for parents. It's it's for anyone going through any type of caregiving situation with their with a family member. So uh, you're just reflecting on your experience. So, you know, right now we're... Are we in your project right now? Yeah, you are literally in my... This is part of my project. The Matrix uh, right now? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, so this is part of my project uh, for the clerkship. It's a fun project. uh, Yeah, it's it's great to get to talk to all of you and complete this thing that I've been wanting to... That I've been pestering Dave about for for a while and wanting to get done but yeah so I, I get to hang out with my little newborn during the day I get my I get my kids off to school in the morning I get them you know breakfast and everything and and hang out with them in the morning because they get up stupid early and then I <laughs> during the day I get to hang out with my little one and my wife and and then go pick the kids up in the in the afternoon so that's amazing yeah we're, we're having a good time wow yeah the other plug I wanted to say, too, is one of the, I guess, the plug, I guess, for having kids in med school is you are important as a med student, but if you need to duck out for any reason during a clerkship, if you have a family emergency, if your kid is sick, you will have more flexibility in med school than you will have in residency. That's true. Because you don't need anybody to replace you. Yeah. And that doesn't get easier. Once you have a career, any career you're in, most yep. careers, you need someone to replace you. But the other thing I did want to mention that people aren't talking about so much. I'm not sure. It might be because people don't know. But the ACGME, um, which is in charge of residency, actually changed. It's, I think it's a huge deal. Changed the rules for residency starting July 2021, this summer. Starting in July 2021, you are now allowed one six-week leave at some point in your residency for a paternity, maternity, slash medical leave. Prior to that, you have, OB has been a little bit different. OB has always had this like nice, certain residencies have had this like nice allowance that you can do that. But certain um, residencies, otherwise, if you had a kid in med school or in residency, excuse me, you could take your like given vacation time, which is three weeks. And if you needed longer than that, you typically had to extend your residency by an entire year. Hmm. So this is huge in terms of, allowing parents to maybe make the decision not to have kids in med school if they wanted to wait till residency that will actually allow them to have a little bit of time um, to spend with a newborn and recover so there's a little bit more flexibility for people who are who are just starting their medical career than there used to be yeah and i i think the, the conversation is starting to switch a little bit too and we'll talk about this in our second podcast a little bit but even having a more defined leave for med school and med students, mm. because right now that's not common that a school will have a defined leave policy, especially for a parental leave. I, I will say, I, I think people don't realize how flexible medical school truly is. You have some incredibly busy, intense times, but as somebody coming out of a career, 
my career schedule was very predictable, but I, I was always very busy. I, I was usually working like 50 hours a week, every week. Whereas in med school, you, you know, I, right now I have like a month that I'm doing this project, but I get to like, you know, manage my time however I want to. And you have these large periods in med school where you can do that. You have other periods where you literally can't manage your schedule at all, and it's whatever somebody else tells you to do. But there, there's there's a sense of flexibility in med school that I think people don't realize. And, and you know, you're not, as McKinsey said, you're not essential everywhere you are. You're very helpful to the the group sometimes. Sometimes you're, you're maybe not so helpful. Sometimes you're <laughs> holding a leg in sometimes, the OR for five hours. <laughs> sometimes you're literally in the way. And uh, everything you get anywhere close to, somebody's yelling at you because you're about to touch a sterile field. But <laughs> Nick, I feel like Joan and Marsha from OSAC are going to be calling you. Yeah. Tomorrow and loading up your schedule. I'm going to have the hardest schedule in the world. Uh, but I mean, even like, uh, you know, your summer after M1 year, that if you don't want to do research, you don't have, you to, do don't you don't have, have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. People yeah. traveled, or you could have yeah. a baby. Yeah. Or do I whatever hung you want. Out, I hung out with my kids for the entire summer. We went to the Children's Museum, and we went to parks, and we went to the pool and splash pads. That and, sounds so awesome. And we had so much fun. So there, there are periods like that in med school. You're m4 year you're given i think it's 16 weeks off yeah 16 now you do have like interviews in there 16 we get we get more (laughs) because of covid we get 24 weeks off it's wild yeah yeah that's about almost half a year almost i almost feel bad about it i I was like thinking "Hmm, maybe i should like schedule a clerkship toward the end just so i i'm not stupid when i go to intern year so yeah i'll say a little bit having our daughter in M1 year. Yeah. It was so, cause I mean, you didn't have to go to lectures. I was kind of like, I like to go to lectures a lot. Cause mm-hmm. then I would get up, go. And I just, I liked my routine, but our daughter had like milk protein allergy. And so like, she was like colic, like crazy. And we mm-hmm. got terrible sleep. So we were doing like shifts. And anyway, it, I started using the, the pre-recorded lectures mm-hmm. and like, there are definitely times where you have to go for a certain thing, like there's small group or whatever, but at least here at, at, at CECOM, it was super flexible. So I knew it was like, okay, I got to watch four lectures today, but I can do that at 10 o'clock tonight if I need to. Yeah. And so it, it was like, I was still going to the gym. Like, I mean, it was hard. I was sleep deprived, definitely very sleep deprived. I cannot stress that enough, but <laughs> I was able to still function, go to the gym, spend a lot of time with my family. So like, it really wasn't that bad. I don't know how that would be if I like had my child during like a you know surgery rotation or something like that during clinical year. But so I I would almost say like if you know that they allow you to watch lectures from home, it that's that builds in some pretty nice flexibility. So. Yeah. And and I'm hoping with you know everything we experienced with COVID, that's that's got to be becoming more common. Or we're going to be able to have some of those, even some of the required things, uh, hopefully to be virtual especially for people in in unique situations Mm -hmm. yeah anything else anyone has to add on i guess the only thing i did differently that i didn't really mention is i actually did an extra year of medical school yeah i did the pet what's called here the pathology externship because i'm interested in pathology and loved that experience you're essentially working as a first year resident in pathology for a year given all the like the freedoms to an extent that the residents are and actually that's 
I that's actually when I had my my second baby not wasn't planned to do it that way but it actually worked out I was an employee of the university and for that reason I actually got eight weeks maternity leave which was phenomenal and really allowed me to appreciate you know the time I actually was able to take with my second that I didn't take with my first so there, there are definitely, and lots of students here too also do extra years doing a master's program or public health, pu- yeah, public health, business. Research, yeah. yeah. I think there's actually like, I, so I started technically with the class of 2021 and I'll graduate with the class of 2022. And I think there's like 20 of us that will graduate next year that actually started with the class of 2021 that did an extra year hmm. for a variety of reasons. And so there's just a lot of flexibility in medical school. And whether you want to use that for having, you know, if you decide to have a kid and just take a year off, that's definitely something you can do. There's no one that's going to be like, you can't do this. You will no never be a doctor because you've taken time off. Nobody's going to tell you that. You just, you have to decide what's right for you and what's right for your family because ultimately every situation is different and, and your story will be unique. So really do what's best for you and make it work with your, with your school. Because once you're in med school, it's important. There's, there's the saying hard to get in, easy to stay. Mm. Because once your med school has chosen you, they really will work with you because they liked you enough to choose you Mm -hmm. to be part of that school. And so they will work with you to make sure that you graduate with with your medical degree. And so know that, know that you're special, know that you're important and that, you know, you have value too. So don't kill yourself like I did with my first one and like, you know, work in pain and things like that. Make sure to take care of yourself. Make sure to take care. You know, the other thing we didn't talk about either is your mental health. I think that's also something that could be an entire podcast in of itself. But especially with parents, you're going to be working sleep deprived. Mm. You're not going to be taking time for yourself. So, you know, I had a little bit of postpartum baby blues. And I think being aware of yourself, aware of your mental health is even more important as a parent because you, you're not going to have as much time to take care of yourself. But so be, be checking yourself and make sure others are checking on you, too. Yeah, I think that's that's super important. You know, one one last theme that kind of came up is do you ever it's kind of I'll, I'll I'll couch it in two things. Do you ever feel like you're missing out? Uh, on you know time with family and and how do you manage that and the second is do you have any regrets yeah I feel like I'm missing out I mean but I feel like kind of like I said like earlier you feel like you're missing out on everything like medicine will take whatever you give it so you you can always go home and learn more you're gonna have to study the same things a hundred times anyway right Mm -hmm. and so it's easy if you're not careful I mean, I, I don't even know if you can really avoid it, but you become a, a workaholic yeah. because it's just that's part of the gig, kind of. I don't. I mean, maybe some specialties is not as much, but you're gonna be a workaholic throughout medical school somehow. And so, knowing that ahead of time and being like, I need to set like healthy boundaries for my family, and my healthy boundaries getting up like a maniac at three in the morning. Uh, <laughs> I did that for a while a too. We yeah. were, we were together and yeah, yeah. But, I, but I gave it up because it was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, and I will preface that was step one <laughs> studying for me. Like, Oh, okay. So, that's different. I mean, I was doing it during clerkships, but I dedicate this for. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so definitely. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing out. I, I feel like sometimes I miss out 
with opportunities in, in medicine too, mm-hmm. you know, like there's a lot of stuff that's like, Oh, come to this ultrasound clinic on, on Saturday, you know? And it's like, Hey, that's, that's yeah. family time. So, you true. know, and, and, and like, I don't have 700 publications that like, ultimately I, I end up choosing a, a specialty that was probably a little less competitive than what maybe I could have reached for. What specialty are you thinking? I'm thinking emergency medicine. Okay. I mean, I'm, everything is pointing towards emergency right now (laughs) but at one point i was interested in derm you know and and uh, which is still cool too and but like i was going to need to do a bunch of of publications and i probably could have done that if i would have had some foresight but you know at a certain point i'm like i am not willing to give more Mm -hmm. than what i'm giving like and and i just had and 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 like knowing that ahead of time for me was good you know I, i come from a family of physicians I lost a stepfather. We lost Gina's mom. Like I've I've lost family members. So like I have I think an appreciation for family time yeah. that maybe not everyone has. So it's like I don't want to do a plastic surgery and, and be in training for eleven years or whatever. I'm I'm sure that's not exactly correct, but you know I don't want to do training forever. I, I kind of want to get in and get out and, and and be available for my family. And some specialties I felt like were maybe a little bit better for that so long story short yes you're gonna miss out but you're gonna feel like that even if you don't have kids i feel like you're yeah. gonna you're gonna feel like you're not doing enough for school or you're not doing enough like because we all have friends who didn't go to medical school who had a career at 25 and are like going down to mexico and doing all this stuff you know so yeah and what was the other part of the question do you have any regrets oh regrets i don't think so i mean i remember talking to my father who's an anesthesiologist and I've come, like, he's a brother who's an anesthesiologist, his other brothers are dermatologists, and their sister's a radiologist. So, like, four out of six oh my goodness. Yeah, are yeah. doctors, right? And I remember telling him I'm interested in medicine, and he was like, and I was, like, waiting for him to be like, yeah, go get him. So, you know, and he's like, huh. you got to think about it. He's like, I don't know if I would redo it again. Like, he's like, I'm glad I'm here, but he's like, if you told me I had to redo this whole process, like, once I got to the end, he's like, you know, and then there's studies that show, like, medicine... Not everyone tells their kids to do it again because it's it's a hard it's it's, it's hard. hard it's, it's hard. really hard and it's not the best way to make money you know like I mm-hmm. mean as far as like it, it's a long a long training and you have to want to do this so sometimes like doubt and regret will start to creep in my my brain but yeah. I think ultimately I made the right decision and and this is going to set me and my family up for hopefully at least another generation yeah. you know so and, and you know if you're smart enough to be a doctor uh, you're smart enough to make more money in another way that's that's not as hard yeah (laughs) or at least as much money yeah 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 i mean i'll i can speak to that a little bit too do i feel like i'm messing out missing out on family time yeah yeah Mm -hmm. of course my husband will send me pictures of him hanging out Mm. with the kids and i'm like oh yeah and then i think the other part that's hard about that too that because i'm tired or stressed from being a med student sometimes i think that rubs off a little Mm. bit it's it is hard to separate work and home life and sometimes when i'm stressed about work i might snap at my husband or be a little bit less patient with my daughters than i would be otherwise and so that's that's hard and regret do i regret well i i I think what you're saying too about the would i would i do it all over again it's tough. I think everything you think med school is going to be and what it's going to be like to be a doctor is not what it is. And you don't hmm. 
realize that until you are an M3, M4. Yeah, holding someone's leg for five hours in the OR. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you know when, I, when I started med school, I was going to be a surgeon. And I've had a decent number of people that are like, you have a personality of a surgeon. Like, you could mm. be a surgeon. And now I'm like, man, is that, is that an insult? <laughs> After I've gone through clerkships, <laughs> I was like, goodness. But having kids, because I, I loved being here long hours. I could have been here 100 hours and mm-hmm. loved it. Didn't yep. care. But once I had a family, I started resenting being here, like certain clerkships, being here for long hours, especially when you're the med student holding up a leg not being you know not doing something that you felt was like really useful and you know kind of had to shift my viewpoint in each of my clerkships rather than like is this fun am i having fun Mm. to is my attending happy does my attending have family they talk about can i tell do they see their family because there were certain clerkships where it was like divorced divorced he gets his kids on Saturdays and Sundays, divorced, clearly doesn't like being here, threw a scalpel at a nurse. And it was just like, oh, goodness. Yeah. Dr. Hogstall. This is an intervention, actually. <laughs> Welcome to the second part of the podcast. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so I think I just had to change, like, what do I enjoy doing right now at this second for my four-week clerkship that I get to use to decide what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, which yeah. is insane, Yeah. Um, to... True. Who do I want to be like when picking and attending out? Like, who do I want to be? Who seems happiest? Who seems like they still have the best work-life balance? And even, like, the reading I started doing online switched a lot more to, like, what jobs have the least amount of burnout? What jobs have the highest satisfaction rates? What jobs also have a decent amount of flexibility in terms of Mm -hmm. job locations? Because someday I've got to provide for my family. Mm -hmm. So that really shifted my career choice and i I i'm still undecided lord help me (laughs) but i'm probably leaning towards either like internal medicine pathology man they are really fighting and they're very very different if i had to choose like based off of who i want to be and like people i like to be around that would probably change my decision so yeah i'm glad i had kids early no regrets there because otherwise if i had no offense to any surgeons in the room that have kids. I think you guys are all doing an amazing job. But I think if I had not had children, I would have been a surgeon. I'd be in residency, probably not having children. And then I think I would have regretted my decision later. Yeah. That's just that's just me. That's not anybody else. That's just me. Yeah, I, I worked in orthopedics before uh, delivering surgical equipment. So I thought I wanted to do ortho. And then I had the kid and then I had like the two weeker and I was like, I cannot see myself doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really cool, awesome, but I'm like, I'm not willing to put in the work to be this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think the other we were. I was talking with a, a fellow student about this today too, who was thinking of. You know, he was trying to debate like, do I want to do this or? But I don't know if I want the lifestyle of a certain specialty we we're talking about. And one of the things that my husband and I were talking about just yesterday actually was. I could pick the thing I love doing the most or it's just something I really enjoy. Like I like watching Netflix and I love golfing. <laughs> but if I was made to watch Netflix for 70 mm-hmm. or 80 hours a week and not allowed to see my family until I had like completed my daily quota of Netflix watching. <laughs> I wouldn't even cool. enjoy that. So I think like no matter what you love, you have to make sure that you're willing to f- sacrifice mm-hmm. other things that you love in order to do that thing. And there are people out there that can do it. It's and there's nothing wrong with that at all. This was just a, a decision for myself. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and being a non-trad, I would say we maybe have a little bit of insight uh, on knowing like mm. what a job is. Yeah, like <laughs> that's true. Like you know, like. It, it, so I always, whenever I talk to, I have some really brilliant, of you know, classmates who maybe went the traditional way right through, which is amazing in itself. Yeah, but it's I like, couldn't do it. But at a certain point, you need to not look about your grades and like the hurdles to keep going. You need to look at something that's going to be functional for your life long term. So I have a friend, yeah. one of our buddies, who is interested in neurosurgery, and now he's not. Thinking, but it's just like, yeah, you could totally do it, but like. Do you really like you need to start weighing out like what is your life going to look like in 10 years? You know, yeah. like, do you want to have a family soon? And, and, and I think, you know, being a non-traditional, you have a little bit more insight than if you just were plowing through, you know, getting A's on everything. You could all of a sudden wake up one day and maybe be in a field that isn't as conducive to a, a lifestyle you want. So, yeah, mm. definitely. From kind of my wife and I's perspective, I don't think that we have any regrets at this point. There are certainly going to be times in the moment where you're like, did we make the right decision doing this, having this kid? Are we, you mm-hmm. know, are we giving them the best shot at success and what mm-hmm. they deserve? And the, the thing about being a doctor is all of us here, we have that altruistic you know, character, and that's what makes us good physicians. And, and that fights... You know, sometimes it it pushes you to to sacrifice things for your family. And so, you know, I don't think we did this intentionally, but, you know, my wife is probably a better communicator than I am. But from the moment we had to take call and the kids could talk or maybe they couldn't even understand what we we're saying. But if they wondered where one of us was, we told them mom has is on call. Do you know what that means? That means that mom had to go in and somebody's eyeball is broken open (laughs) and she's going to try to fix it. And, you know, it kind of bounces off them for a few years. But in the last couple of years, we've told them, you know, hey, I've got to go in. Dad's got to go in and help somebody's mom or mom's got to go in and save some or help protect somebody's eye. And now, you know, I can remember the first time this happened, but one of my daughters I had to tell her that I had to go in late that or, you know, one evening and she was in bed when I got home and she woke up the next morning, rushes into our room, taps me on the shoulder, wakes me up and says, is the mom okay? Aww. Aww. Wow. Then, then you know that yeah. they yeah. understand yeah. it and they are on, their, on your team as well. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So. That's amazing. They, they get it. They right. get it. Yeah. They, and hopefully they you're demonstrating and passing that on to mm-hmm. them. Definitely. So that's one of the rewards. Wow. Yeah. After step one studying, I would always tell my uh, two-year-old, mom's got to study, mom's got to study. If it was like, you know, on a weekend or something, I'd try to take an hour or so in the afternoon to study. (laughs) And we have an office. And so at one point, she like disappeared or she went to the down the hallway and I'm like where are you going she's going I'm gonna go study and she goes oh, in the office oh. and like picks up a color and like starts coloring on my desk <laughs> I was like so this is what you think mom does yeah. when she has to leave you so but yeah they they catch on pretty quick if, if you're just honest with them about yeah. what's going on I had oral boards a couple of weeks ago and my kids made a countdown to my dad's <laughs> testings, which kind of heightened my anxiety at first. Yeah. They'd be like, seven days, Dad. Yeah. Uh, good morning. <laughs> Only it's seven coming. days. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. But uh, it was cute in the end. Yeah. That's uh, cool. Yeah, my, my daughter kind of did that for step two for me. You know, yeah. like, oh, Dad, Dad's almost done. Like, he's got, like, three days, and, and yeah. then we get to play again. Mm-hmm. So, Aww. yeah. Now, I want to put a plug, too, just because we didn't really talk about this. Just for the significant others mm-hmm. like my wife does way more par- like 
and, yep. and she has a career. I mean, a lot of times if if our kid's sick and they call, like my wife's going to be the one that goes and grabs a kid. And, and just, you know, if I'm here during surgery rotation, I'm not done till seven. So I, I definitely think, you know, for advice, making sure that that your significant others understand that they might be carrying some of the weight and if they're they better be okay with that too but i could not do it without my wife i don't know single parent i don't know like god bless those people i cannot imagine how hard that would be my husband cooks he doesn't eat my cooking so my husband cooks (laughs) my husband does the laundry my husband cleans and he picks up the girls from daycare dresses them he can do my daughter's hair and pigtails yeah, he's he does all her finances. I mean, I'm really starting to think there's not much I do. Yeah, <laughs> I know, that's how I feel. I'm like, yeah. So I am just I'm like the third child that's like mm-hmm. just like along for the ride, just coming with all my debt. Yeah. But yeah, I, definitely a plug to the significant others. They are definitely carrying a lot of our load here. Absolutely. And yeah, there's no way I could have done it without my husband. So granted, it was mostly it was partially his decision. So he knew what he was getting into, but not completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I think that that is a big thing, you know, make make sure your partner is clear on as clear as can be on what they're getting into, you know, when you're when you're heading to med school because that can definitely create some strife. But uh, well, I think that's our show. All right. Wonderful. Oh, we are having a podcast though with the significant others at some point, right? That is the po- possibly hope, the hope we're kind of uh, I need to get some more people right. involved. I I think I might be able to <clears throat> twist chris's wife in how much how much uh, money to, do you yeah, are willing I, to i can <laughs> can just pay for I'll a pay. Baby yeah <laughs> okay cool awesome that, that, that is great thank you yeah well that's our show so mckenzie chris dr hogsdall thanks for being on the show today with me and what kind of garbage humans would i be if <laughs> did i totally i totally messed this up <laughs> take it from the top are you really no, appreciative going now it's funnier <laughs> what, kind of gar- what kind of garbage human am i what <laughs> what was that dave everybody thinks my job is easy yeah i know i know and I, how the hell do i read this and what kind of garbage humans would i be if i didn't thank you short coats for making us a part of your week if you're new here and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever you find, wherever. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep going. Just do it, dude. You did such a good job. You got it. (laughs) Wherever you are. Oh, geez. Where did I leave off? Something about this wherever. Is, this is great. This is great. This is going to be so fun to I like fun the part about garbage humans. Yeah, that we're all garbage <laughs> humans, that part. <laughs> if you're new here and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available. Our editors are AJ Chowdhury and Eric Bozart, and Alex Belzar is our marketing coordinator. The show is made possible by a generous donation by the Carver College of Medicine student government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. I am Nick Lynn saying, don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you <laughs> in one week. <laughs> what? <laughs> I like that. That's a good advice. Hi, Shortcoats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. 
all I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you and I'm glad you're here and other people are too. 